please. You take your pen and write down four numbers for me this morning. I need you to write down four numbers. Take your pen, turn to the notes section in your Evangelism Simplified Guidebook. I need you to write down four numbers. Write down the number two um, somewhere in that booklet. Write down the number two. Then I want you to write down the number zero somewhere on that uh, page. Write down the number zero. The third number I need you to write down is a six. Write down the number six. And the last number I need you to write down this morning is the number nine. So you've written down four numbers. You've written down a two, a zero, and a six, and a nine. You might be thinking this morning, preacher, why am I writing down 2069? Brethren, that is the year 2069. And if the losses we sustained in the churches of Christ from the year 2015 to 2018, where we lost 111 churches of Christ every single year, where we lost 18,541 church members every single year, By the year 2069, we're not going to be here. Brethren, in 2069, we're going to call India and we're going to ask them to send their missionaries to Midland, to the United States of America, to all over, because we're not going to be of sufficient numbers to sustain ourselves, to to be even counted in the census. Dear friends, we are facing right now the Church of Christ decline in America in this generation. Many of us will be living when that year comes What will we be looking like? Recently, one of our Christian universities did a demographic study among churches of Christ. They they polled about 10,000 Christians, went all over the United States at different churches, and their findings were frightening. Here's what they found. They found that 60% of our church members are 50 years and older. That means two-thirds of our church members are above the age of 50. They also found out that only 13% of our church members are under the age of 30 Brethren, we are a gray-headed church. We are a congregation of God's people that is ever growing older and older every year. Every single year, more congregations are shutting their door. I cannot think of a more important topic this week for us to focus on. Brethren, we have got to get on the offense. We have got to get out of our pews and we have to take the precious gospel of Jesus Christ to the sinners in our community. I'm excited about the mission work going all over the world. But brethren, I am concerned about the lack of mission work being done at the local churches of Christ. Mission work extends beyond the pulpit. Mission work extends beyond your preachers. We have got to train an army of soul winners in the pews of the Lord's church if there's any hope of turning this around. I'm so glad to be here this morning because we have so much hope. And I want to give you this morning what God says about being a soul winner. We're going to look at three things this morning, three key characteristics of soul winning that come right from the life of Christ. I was getting ready for my Bible class on Sunday morning at Willette. And I looked up and I noticed this couple walked into church building and they looked at me and they made a beeline right for me. They got up to the podium where I was preparing for my class and he said, are you the preacher here? And I said, yes, sir. My name's Rob Whitaker. He says, well, my name's Richard Pratt. This is my wife, Daisy. He said, I got a question for you, preacher. I said, go on. He said, do you just preach the Bible here? I said, sir, that's all we preach here. He said, well, good. The church we left last week stopped doing it years ago. He said, I'll be listening to you this morning, preacher. 
I said, sir, you listen on. And he began the Bible class. He got out his Bible. She got out her notebook. They began to take notes and they were following along. They, you could tell, were in tune with the message. They were uh, actively participating in the study. We went into the worship service. They opened their Bible again. They, they were singing, praying. They were taking notes. After the service, people went up to greet them and were kind to them. And Nicole and I got to go up and say a few words. It's my turn now. I said, Richard, I said, I got a question for you. He said, well, what do you got, preacher? I said, did I just preach the Bible today? He said, man, that's all you preached. Hadn't heard that much Bible in years. I said, all right. I said, we just happen to have this custom. We always take visitors out to eat. May my wife and I take you out to eat and we could get to know you. They said, well, we would love to do that. And so we uh, took them over to Lafayette. We took them in a restaurant, just sitting there visiting a little bit. And uh, I said, Richard, do you know anything about the Church of Christ? Don't know a lot. I said, well, I just so happen to have these little booklets. I said, why don't we uh, set up a little uh, time and we'll, we'll do a study together. He said, well, we would enjoy it. And we began our Bible study. Brethren, do you know most people have never done a Bible study in their life? Most members of the church, there's a lot of members of the church who've never sit down one-on-one with a Bible study. Well, it's incredible what happens when people open the Word of God. Richard and Daisy loved it. They were reading their Bible. They knew the books of their Bible. They'd gone to church all their life. Never done a Bible study. Richard said, Rob, didn't know we weren't under the... Ten Commandments today. I said, well, he said, I learned a lot. He said, I've been, he said, I've loved this. And he, and he said, he said, preacher, he said, I think I'm sold. Sign me up. Sign you up. He said, yes, where's the paperwork? The, the, the paperwork? He said, yes. He said, I'm ready to join the church right now. He said, you've proven it to me. You guys just follow the Bible. Sign me up. I said, well, Richard, it don't quite work like that. I said, I tell you what we need to do is another study. Another study? Preacher, I'm sold. You don't need to do another study. He said, just sign us up right now. I said, well, Richard, if you'll come back next week, I think that you'll find uh, there are some things you don't understand. He said, well, all right, I'll come back. So the next week they came back and uh, we sit around the table, back to the Bible book too. And we begin our study together. I didn't know, I didn't know I was supposed to worship like, I didn't know you could find the church of Christ in the Bible. And uh, man, they're excited. You can just see the, the enthusiasm and the joy of reading the Bible. And he gets his pen out in his checkbook. He said, preacher, I'm sold. He said, how much is this going to cost me? Cost you? He said, to join your church. I said, Richard, it don't cost anything to join. Richard, I don't need any money. And he said, well, good. He said, at the last church, if I missed a given, they'd send me a bill. A bill. I said, there'll be no bills here at this church, Richard. I said, I said, uh, I said what we need to do is another study. Another study? Am I that bad a sinner that I need another Bible study? I said, oh, Richard, it's not about your sin. Well, it is. But I said, we, we just need one. There's some things you don't know. He said, all right, preacher, I'll do this study with you. Richard's a logger, and one of our elders, Hugh Wayne Clark, owns one of the largest sawmills in the state of Tennessee. It's called Clark Lumber Company. It employs a lot of people. And Richard, uh, he's an independent logger. He goes out and he harvests his timber, and he, uh, he trucks it in. And uh, Richard's trucking in his timber, and he gets out of the scale, goes over to the, the sales office. Joe Lynn, one of the other elders, he manages the office, and he gives him the ticket. He says, Joe Lynn, i got a bone to pick with you. He said, that little preacher back there, your church won't let me join. And Joe said, Richard, what are you talking about? Joe, he won't let me join. I'm not good enough to join your church. Richard, Richard, what did the preacher tell you to do? He said, I needed to do a third Bible study. Joe said, then I think that's exactly what you need to do. You need to study the Bible. He said, all right. 
Richard and Daisy got around the table that day and we started the Bible study. Richard and Daisy don't know they're lost. Most people don't. When you read the Bible with people, they don't understand. And then they begin to read the Bible. And Richard began to, to see things. And uh, Richard got it. He looked at me and said, Preacher, he said, I don't think I can join your church, can I? I said, no, you can't, Richard. He said, would you baptize us? I said, I'd be glad to. And I said, the Lord will add you to his church. Brother, it's amazing what happens when you do a Bible study with somebody. You see, most people just don't know. It's not, it's not that they don't love the Lord. It's not that they don't want to know about the Lord. They, brother, they just don't know. They've never studied the Bible. When you sit down and study the word of God with people, a whole new world opens up for them. And it's one of the most exciting things a Christian can do. In fact, this morning, if you've never been involved in a Bible study, you're missing out on one of the greatest gifts God gives. Brother, there is nothing more exciting than studying the word of God. Your family will grow beyond any comprehension you might have. During the holidays, i got to tell you something that happens in my home. I can't wait till next week. Because every year my wife opens our home to all the new comforts. She picks us a big meal and she invites him over. And, these, and Richard and Daisy will be there. They're going to drive down. They won't miss it. And these new converts will literally fill our house. Brother, it's the greatest blessing in life. There isn't an Alaskan trip. There isn't a, a ship voyage. There isn't a European vacation that compares to teaching someone the word of God. Brother, if you're not involved in soul winning, you're missing out on God's greatest blessing. This morning, I'm going to share with you a little bit more about evangelism. See, I, I, I believe we're facing a, brother, we're facing a huge problem today. We're making big mistakes. See, the, the mistake we're making is a lack of personal Bible study. We're not studying the Bible. See, we literally have a generation that's risen in the church of Christ. And we, have, we, have, we have little boys right now growing up in churches of Christ. They're all over the pews. They have never seen their father do a Bible study. We have little girls that are growing up and, and they're in the home and they've never seen mama do a Bible study. We now have a generation two, barely two generations of people sitting in our pews and they don't even know what a Bible study looks like. But don't worry, we got a program. We got lots of programs. Right? We've, had, we've never had more programs in the Church of Christ than we do today. I, when we started this journey at Willette, um, people started to hear about us. See, when we started at Willette, we had about 220. We went to 230, 240. We just just started doing Bible studies everywhere. We were training the church. We were out there in the community. 260, 270, 290, 300. And um, brother, we're out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, we're 45 minutes from a Walmart. No one moves to Willette. Everyone moves away from Willette. The only way that church survives is to evangelize. These churches started to hear about it, and people started to invite us. They said, hey, Rob, could you, could you come and, and show us what you're doing? And I said, well, well sure, I'd be glad to come. So I started these, uh, these uh, lessons. I started putting them together, and I, sh- I should be glad to share it with you. And uh, one, of the, one day I had a, a big church out in East Tennessee call me. And they said, preacher, could, could you come over? Could, could we have a meeting? We'll even drive to you. We want to know what we need to do to grow. I said, that's great. I can't think of a better time. I said, absolutely. So we set the appointment. Got now, the day of the, the meeting, during the Tennessee Valley, we got some tornadic storms that come through. It was bad. They couldn't make it. They caught, Rob, we can't make it. I said, all right. They said, could we do kind of a virtual meeting or phone conference? I said, sure, we'll, we'll do that. So we set it all up, you know. And, uh, and all right, preacher, all the elders are on board. They said, preacher, what do we got to do to grow here at this church? Tell us what you're doing out there. I said, well, I said, um, 
It's three words. It's called personal Bible study. Let me tell you all. Preacher, let me interrupt you. Uh, What'd you call it? I said personal Bible study. Here's what we... Hold on, preacher. Preacher, did you say personal Bible study? I said, yes. I said, here's what we do. My wife... Preacher, wait. Now, wait, preacher. Um, Where do you get these people from? I said, oh, um, they're probably sitting in your pew. And, and, and they're, probably, uh, they're probably your next door neighbor. And you go to work with them every day. And you play ball with them. And um, you grew up with them. You see it at the grocery store. He said, well, pre- pre- preacher, what now? And I said, well, what, what my wife and I do is we invite. Now, well, hold on, preacher. Where do you get these people from? I'm not getting through. And I said, okay. Uh, have you guys ever tried house to house, heart to heart? If you use it correctly, if you use it right. I said, here's what's going to happen. What? Now, is that that little magazine that's put out? I said, yes, sir. We tried it one time, and someone in the community got offended, and we dropped it. I said, all right, um, this isn't going well. And I said, all right, preacher, now, have you, preacher, I'll tell you how we get people. We do the big VBS. I said, okay, have you ever tried the big VBS? I said, I don't know what that is. They said, we, we went to blow-up toys, and we went to carnival rides, and we put them all in the parking lot, and we have a big old time. We get a, no, I've never tried the big VBS before. Um, what is it that you do again, preacher? I said, my wife and I meet people. We invite them into our home. We call it, it's called personal Bible study. It's exciting. We use something called, hello. Hello? Brethren, I pray God it was the storms. But something happened that day, and it triggered in my mind. I tried for 30 minutes to explain to an eldership that you grow a church of Christ. You, churches of Christ grow by doing Bible studies, and I couldn't communicate it. I tried my best to explain it. They wouldn't hear it. I was so, I was so uh, wound up about that phone call. I called Nicole. I said, honey, i got to rehearse the phone call to you. I got out of the phone call, and I, I Googled churches of Christ. I said, what in the world's going on out here? I'm going to share with you what I found. Just a simple Google search. Brethren, we have more programs than we have ever had in our history. We, we, we got the youth programs, and I'm not opposed to these, by the way. We got wonderful youth programs. We, we, have, we have activities, youth day, youth month. We have you know, lock-ins. We have Bible camps. We have summer youth series. We have um, a Friday night bowling. We have all sorts of youth. And then when you get to the teen program, special programs for the teens. I don't know how they're going to make it. How Peter and Paul ever grew up and were faithful, I don't know. But we've got the program for teens, and we got the teen minister. Then we got the singles minister. If you're single, we'll help you find a Christian mate at this church and then we've got the the married program listen wise we got a program for your husband we know he's hard to live with we'll help you with him we got programs and then we've got the divorce program we don't want it to happen but when it does it needs to be scriptural we have parenting programs to help you raise little johnny and little susie we have addiction programs depression programs and when you get the silver wings you got the silver wings program and then for those of you who are older we have bible bingo every friday night we have the golden oldies i haven't seen I, I was overwhelmed. I, I, I said, brethren, I said, I see a problem. The problem is, this is what I couldn't find. And I tried. I couldn't find the congregation that had the evangelism, the local program, the program that teaches church members how to evangelize. Brethren, I couldn't find it. I couldn't find the church that says, come here, we'll train you how to do Bible studies. No, I could find schools, the schools of preaching. I could find university. I could find all sorts of other, other uh, academic settings. But where's the local church of Christ training the church members how to do Bible studies? I was sitting in my office, uh, excuse me, my, my easy chair one afternoon evening. And my wife said, Rob, um, I think they're talking about you on Facebook. I said, well, what are they saying? And she read it. This is what it said. 
And if I named you this preacher, you'd know him. And uh, he said, uh, there's this preacher out there going around training churches. And he says, we're dying and don't believe him. I said, man, I hope I'm wrong. I said, tell me what he said. He said, well, he said, um, he said we, we're growing. And I got proof. I said, well, tell me what he said. He said, we had 5,000 at polishing the pulpit. And we had to tend the 1,000 at the lads, the leaders. And we had the 20,000 at the, 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 the youth retreat. He says, we're not a dying, we're a growing. Do you know what the problem is with all those numbers? Brother, those are inward numbers. We're counting our own sheep. We have become inward focused in the church. We are keepers of the aquarium instead of fishers for men. Brethren, we have to get out of our comfort zone, out of our church buildings, and we have to take the gospel of Christ to our friends, family, and our neighbors. We're not going to make it. There is not a brotherhood work that I know of anywhere. There isn't a director of any school of preaching, and I work with seven of them in this country. There isn't, there, there isn't, a, there isn't a work, World Video Bible School, Apologetics Press, Gospel Broadcasting Network. There's not a director I know of any of those works that says we're growing. Every work knows we're dying. I'm going to make a personal point this morning. And I need to ask a personal question. And I need you to be honest. I want to know how many Bible studies you've had in the last 1,700 days, five years. I want to know how many times you've had, oh, preacher, now I knew you were going to shame us. Now listen, last night at the break room, this is break room Bob. Bob says, now listen, preacher, I got my Bible. And I said, we're going to do a study over here. Come around, come around. And I got out the Mark 16, 16, and I read it. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. And then my friend, he got out of John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to whose believeth. Hey, and now he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. God so loved the world that believeth. He that believes and is baptized. It was a wonderful Bible study preacher. You ought to have seen us team up like this. I mean, we went back and, and I stood my ground. And then there's old Techie Tom. Techie Tom says, I got on the Facebook last night, and then I put down a Romans 16 and 16, salute one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. My church is in the Bible. Where's yours? You ought to have seen the feed. People out there were responding. It was wonderful. We went back and forth. Do you know what the problem is with all these, these things? Brother, none of that is a Bible study. None of that works. What I want to know is when is the last time you sat around the table and you sit one-on-one or one-on-two with somebody and did a personal Bible study? By and large, it's not happening. So what I want to do this morning is put the Bible back into personal Bible studies. Write this down in your book. Write this down. This is in your notebook, your evangelism simplified notebook. I'm going to give you three things to write down. This is very important. These are the seven characteristics of Christ when it came to converting the lost. Number one, and brethren, it hit me hard. I I didn't know it. You have got to stop answering people's questions. You have got to defer every question they ask because we defer, we don't debate. I'm not talking about public debates. We had a public debate at Willette and uh, Jack Honeycutt and then later B.J. Clark. We converted 12 people from that public debate. I'm not opposed to those. In fact, I helped set them up. But I'm talking about private debates. I'm talking about one-on-one. If you want to be effective in soul winning, brethren, you defer every question they ask. And I'm going to give you living examples. I'm sitting in the living room of Jackie and Sheila Birdwell. And Sheila says, she says, uh, preacher, she says, uh, she says, I want to know, she says, um, do you have music in the church? 
Now, brethren, the, the old Rob was very capable of having a discussion like that. But I'm not going to do. I'm not the old Rob anymore. See, I have a new concept. And I want to teach you the concept. I don't chase rabbits. Because every time someone throws a question out like that, it takes me away from the cross. So I'm not going to answer questions about instrumental music, the 144,000. I'm not going to answer questions about the Battle of Megiddo, the thousand-year reign of Christ. Whatever it is, I'm not answering. You know, I'm going to defer. And I learned this concept. And here's the concept. They're not asking the right question. That's number one. And they're not ready for the answer. That's number two. And in John 16, 12, Jesus says something to his disciples. These aren't non-believers. These aren't antagonists. These are disciples. He looked at him. He said, you know what? I have yet many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. You can't understand it. He's the master teacher. There's never been a better teacher. And if the greatest teacher the world has ever seen cannot teach someone some concepts, then why am I trying? Why am I doing that? When Sheila asked me that question, I said, I'm going to try something I've never tried before. I said, Sheila, that's a good question. I said, do you like music in the church? She said, oh, yes. I said, what kind of music do you guys have in your church? Oh, I got a, we got, oh, and so-and-so plays the organ. I said, how, how old is that organ? Oh, it goes back to 1953, and my family donated. I said, I said hey, do you guys ever play um, Amazing Grace? Oh, Amazing grace. Oh, we do too. Have you ever played nothing but the blood? Oh, love nothing but the blood. I said, you know, there's nothing like music. Is there in the church? I'm not answering. I won't be rude. I'll be very conversational, but I'm not going to answer those questions because I know if I answer those questions, I'll never get the Bible study. Where did I get this from? Take your Bible. I'll show you. Go to Luke 10. So I'm sitting in my office and I'm trying to figure out how to be a better evangelist and I'm going to the greatest evangelist who ever lived and I'm looking at his Bible studies and I started to notice a pattern. And this, this pattern is, is just glaring at me. I've never seen it so, so clearly in my life. And, and Luke chapter 10, here it is. And, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him. He didn't want the truth. He didn't care about the truth. And the Bible says, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, brethren, if there's ever a Bible study in the Scripture, it's here. And if there's ever a question that you should answer, this would be it. I, if someone comes up and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? But answer the question. He didn't answer. The Lord didn't answer his question. You know, the, the, Lord, the Lord could have said, hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. But that's not what the Lord did. See, when people ask the Lord questions, I started to notice a pattern He did not answer the question, and he's consistent in it. You see, when people ask me questions, I'll just be honest with you. I loved it because I wanted to win the debate. I was all about winning the argument. And I kept winning the argument and losing the soul. It wasn't working. Brethren, a Bible study is not answering questions. Uh, Notice that he's consistent. Let's go to Matthew 21. The Lord is, and we're going to look at several examples of this. Here's here's another occasion. And when he was coming to the temple, the chief priests and the elderly people came unto him saying, Jesus, by what authority doest thou these things? Who gave you this authority? Brethren, that is my question. That's a softball. I'm perfectly capable of hitting that out of the park. That's an exciting question. Look at what the Lord did. Jesus answered and said unto them, hmm. I also will ask you one thing, and if you answer my question, I'll answer yours. He didn't answer. Jesus took control of the study. Jesus said, okay, the baptism of John, whence was it, from heaven or men? And they begin to reason. That's the point. 
you got to get people to reason. And he said, they reason among themselves, saying, if we shall say from heaven, he will say unto this, and why did, you not, why did you not believe him? If we say of men, will we fear the people? They all hold John as a prophet. Now, Jesus, we can't answer that question. Now, listen to your Lord. Then neither do I answer your question. Neither do I tell you by what authority I do these sayings. Let's go to another one. Here's Mark 10, 17. Let's look at it. Here's another Bible study. A a, a rich young ruler runs up to the Christ, kneels down before him. Now, Mike, I've been preaching for 25 years. I've never had this happen before. A man comes up, kneels on the ground. What must I do? Do I have eternal life? I consider that a great day. Do you know what the Lord did? He didn't answer. The Lord said, "Um, why do you call me good? Lord, now is not the time to have a Bible study on moral goodness. It was the perfect time. The Lord doesn't answer questions. Brethren, write this down. He who asks the question controls the study, and the Lord wasn't giving up the field. Friends, the Lord is the teacher. He's the one that asks the questions. Why are we letting people run us all over the map asking us about a thousand questions that don't get you to the cross? We are abrogating the field, and that's why we're not successful in soul winning. Stop answering questions. They're asking you questions for the next 20 years. They continue to ask you questions, and they love to ask you questions, and you think, we think we're doing a great evangelistic service by answering all the questions. In fact, we're, what we're doing is we're going away from the cross. I want them in a Bible study. I want them to look at Jesus. I want to get them there, and all these things are distractions. Now, number two, write this down. We have got to learn how to show people the truth, and don't tell them. Brethren, I don't want you to tell them that they need to be baptized to be saved. I don't want you to tell them that you can find the church of Christ in the Bible. I don't want you to tell them that we're in the New Testament. I want you to show it to them. I want them to see the word of God. I want them to look at the word of God. I don't want them to hear your voice. I want them to look at the book. This book has power you don't have. And we've got to use it. And I was sitting in that living room and Sheila, she's just, you know, she's just throwing these questions at me and she's not getting it. And I just defer every one of them. And finally, she gets to one that's kind of hard to defer. She said, now, Rob, she says, everybody tells me that you people in the church of Christ believe you're the only ones going to heaven. Now, brethren, if that's not a set up question, I don't know what is. And uh, I said, Sheila, I said, who told you that? I don't know, some of my friends. I said, well, you know, that's a great question. And I said, Sheila, all these are good questions, and you deserve an answer. And uh, Sheila, would it be okay if I came back and we opened our Bible and I showed them to you? Showed me. Uh, Yeah, you'd read the Bible. You mean a Bible study? I said, you call it whatever you want to, Sheila. I said, but I think it'd be better if you read the Bible. She said, Jackie, can we do a Bible study with the preacher for the Church of Christ? Jackie says, Sheila, I don't think it's ever wrong to study the Bible. Brethren, what we need to do is to get them in this book. I want to show you where I learned this. I'm in Luke 10, 25, because I was the world's worst. I'd always tell them. I'd quote it. I had it memorized. But look at Luke 10 again. Here's your Bible study. This is the model right here. And, and, the, and the lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus defers the question. Now he takes control of the study. And he said unto him, what is written? Huh? Yeah, what, what's written? Uh, Jesus, just tell him. You don't have to go to some book. Just tell him. Jesus, you are the word. Just, no, he says, what's written? Friends, if you want to be successful in soul winning, get them to the word of God. He said, what is written in the law? Not some commentary, not some theologian, not, not, uh, not some uh, religious leader. Get them in the book. And there's something else he said. It's vital. How readest 
thou. Friends, they need to read the Word of God. This book has the power to break through religious error. This book has the power to break down immorality. This book has power that you don't. You know what, Mike? I'll argue, you and I can argue until Jesus comes again. We can argue. And I can sit there with you and we can argue back and forth. And you and I can go at it. And you, I can give you my position. And you can give me yours, Adam. I can tell you what. You look into the Word of God and try to argue with Him. It doesn't work very well. Friend, He has power that I don't have. He has power to break your heart down. He has, he'll wear you down. You can only argue with God so long. Stop putting it between you and them. Get out of the way. And get Him in the book. Because this is where the battle's won. This is the victory cry right here. Get them to the word of God, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God to save to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We need them in the text, brethren. And then there's, a, there's Miss Scarlet. Remember this morning I told you two things she said I'll never forget. I want to tell you the second one. She said, Rob, when I became a Christian, she said, my life was miserable. I said, what do you mean? All my friends, Rob, were in that missionary Baptist church, all my family, and I was the only one. And she said, Rob, they were, they were relentless. Scarlet, I can't believe you did this. Scarlet, of all people, I mean, your whole family, your grandparents, your history, why in the world would you leave us? Do you know what kind of pain you've caused your mama? Scarlet, I don't understand why you've done what you've done. She said, Rob, every day, everywhere I went, she said, finally, Rob... I was in my bedroom with my best friend and she looked at me and she said, Scarlett, I don't understand. Why did you do this? I mean, go out there. If you're going to change, be a Methodist. Be a Presbyterian. Why a member of the church? Of all places, Scarlett, why a member of the church of Christ? She said, Rob, I lost it. And this is what I told her. I looked at her straight in the eyes and I said, I said to my friend, do you really want to know Because if you know what I know, you'll do what I did. She said, Rob, I had no choice. It's what the Bible says. Rob, I had to obey. It was staring at me in the eyes. Sounds a lot like your daddy, doesn't it? Sheila, we have no choice. It's it's what the Bible says. So it's not about, it's not about you and me. Friends, it's about you and God. It's not about what the preacher says. And I've, God bless the preachers. It's all about the message he preaches. This is where the power is. The Bible says in Psalm 119, 104, through thy precepts I gain understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. We need them in the book. If they don't get in the book, brethren, they're not going to be converted to God. I don't want them converted because of you. I want them converted because of this book. In Psalm 34, the Bible says, by the word of God, where the heavens formed, by the very breath of his mouth. If God's word can make the world, it can help a person come to the cross. Believe in the power of the book. Get it in their heart. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom. It'll move you. It'll change you. Brethren, it'll turn your life around. Number three. Lastly, this morning. We write this down. I told you I'd teach you three things this morning. Plant, don't pick. They're simple. And they're right in the text. You can't miss them. And Luke 8 and 15, I, I grew up in the church. And Miss Bell Lee, I talk about my Bible class teacher, my mother. But man, I learned a lot about the Bible before I ever went to preaching school. And 
Miss Bell Lee, I can remember, I walked in her class one day, and she had a little cup, and uh, she had some seeds and some dirt, and you know what she's going to do, don't you? And uh, she, said, she said, all right, class, everybody put the dirt in the cup, put the seed in the cup, and this is the parable of the sower and the seed. And verse 815, but on the good ground, are they which have an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. It's wonderful. And um, it's the principle of sowing and reaping. And it's, 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 a, it's a bedrock truth. I didn't understand it. I thought I did, but I didn't. When I got out of preaching school, Southwest, 1997, um, I thought I knew it all. And uh, brethren, I, I thought, I, I, thought I, I needed to write a book. And I've always been evangelistic. In fact, several of the students in the class were, I'd baptized them. I, I was always on fire. And I, I said, you know what, I'm going to write a book on evangelism because we don't understand it. Now, I couldn't have been more wrong. Last thing I needed to do was write a book. And... Um, here is the title of the book. I still have it. Uh, Evangelistic Perception. And my thought was this. I'm opening myself up to you, brother. I'm going to be very personal. My thought was this. The reason we're failing in the church of Christ is because we're teaching the wrong kind of people. If we teach the right kind of people, we convert them all. But we're out there trying to convert people that really they're just not the right type. And if we'd convert the right type of people, then we would fill our pews. Brethren, I could not be further from the truth. And I was directly in contradiction to the most basic parable ever given. I want to share with you when that came alive to me. I was in my office and I was studying. Here it is, Luke 10, 25 and 29. And behold, a certain lawyer, not any lawyer, brother, this guy right here, he didn't care about the truth. He's a paid off hack. He was brought in. He was brought in to trick the Lord. And the Bible says that he was willing to justify himself. Now watch this. He looks at Jesus and Jesus stared at his heart. He knew the kind of man he was. And he looked at Jesus and Jesus, you know what he did? He tried to save his soul. And Jesus looked at this man, who is my neighbor? And he preached him the greatest parable ever told, the parable of the good Samaritan. Jesus never picked, he always planted. Let me give you the application. I'm a, I had a church call me in Tennessee and they said, could you come train us, Rob, how to soul win? And, uh, and if you could do a, I said, I'll tell you what, I'll do a campaign for you. We do these all the time at Will Ed. I do them once a year. And so I, got, I grabbed a bunch of people. It was 12, 15 of us. We went over. We're going to be there a week. And uh, we walked into the office of the, of the elders and deacons and the deacon rolls out the map. I love maps. And it was quadrant off. And he's the deacon of evangelism. And he said, now, preacher, hey, we've mapped it all out. He said, now, this is where we think you need to go. Quadrant number one, there are some really good people there. And uh, yes, preacher. I said, can you tell me why there's an X on quadrant number four? He said, oh, yes. He said, not very desirable over there. He said, not the kind of people we're looking for. What we need you to do is go to quadrant one. The elders believe that's the kind of caliber of people we want. He said, yes, preacher. Uh, Sir, send me to quadrant four. Why in the world would you want to go to quadrant four? Because if the Lord was standing here, that's exactly where he would go. Brethren, who gave us the right to determine who is willing or who is a good candidate for the gospel? That's not my job. You say, preacher, surely we don't do that in the church. I'll prove it to you. Adam's been here a few years and I'm just going to, I'm going to use Adam as an example. Let's say Adam comes to this church with his family and, uh, and uh, somebody comes up to Adam and says, uh, Adam says, man, I can't wait to get out there and win souls. And someone came up and said this. Now, 
Now, Adam, I want you to stay away from that old house right there. There are two women living together. You know what that means. Just stay away. And then the next house, they got beer cans in their house every Friday night. Don't even attempt it over there. Not the kind of people we're looking for. And Adam, in that house, there's some reverend over here. Now, don't waste your time casting your pearls before swine. And over there in this house, they don't even believe in God. Now, that house, they used a four-letter word with me. That's my best friend. Don't knock on their house. You'll hurt my friendship. Brethren, when we're done eliminating everybody, there's no one left to teach. Do you know why we're not doing Bible studies in the church of Christ? Because you've eliminated everybody you know. You said they're not, that you can't reach them. They're not interested. They have a marriage issue. They have a sin issue. This person here has another issue. And we're not even trying. You know, my Lord was in the picking business. No. My Lord was in the planting business. See, Jesus didn't care what sin. He didn't care if they were a Samaritan woman who was living in immorality. He was going to plant the word of God. We're not in the picking business, brethren. We're in the planting business. I got to tell you what happened. I was out in Willette, and we had Willette's in the middle of nowhere. There's a church building, a, a school that's been closed down across the street, and an old restaurant built in the early 1900s. Somebody bought the restaurant and had a good idea. I'm going to feed the farmers, make some money. And it's a farming community. So uh, we would get up there about lunchtime. We'd go across the street and eat our lunch. I always go at 11. Why 11? Because at 12, they're out of food. Farmers eat at 11. When they get up at 5, they get hungry at 11. So I had to make sure I got over there. So I got over there, you know, I'm walking into the little restaurant, and my family's with me, and some guy calls out from the corner, Here it comes, the Campbellite. Ever heard that before? Hey, Waterlogged, come on in here, Campbellite. Preacher of the Church of Christ, or come on in, Campbellite. Brethren, the old Rob would have been glad to show him what a Campbellite was all about. I'm not the old Rob anymore. All I want is a Bible study with that man. I walked up to that man. I said, sir, I said, name's Rob. What's your name's Bill? I said, Bill, see that lady right there? Best cook in Macon County. See that little girl right there? Best dessert maker you've ever eaten. I mean, she makes a killer peanut butter pie. I said, I'll tell you what's going to happen tonight at my house. My wife's going to cook you up something, roast beef, mashed potatoes and gravy, corn on the cob, green beans. I said, you're, really? I said, yes, sir, I want you coming over. I want you to sit in my home. I want to, I want to, you and I can eat together. Well, that's really nice, preacher. I said, yes, and when we're done, we're going to do a Bible study. A what? A Bible, now, preacher, you just simmer down. I didn't ask for no Bible study. I know. You know what just happened? Brethren, I planted and he picked. It's not my job to pick. My job is to plant. In Acts 13 and 46, and Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should first be spoken to you. But see, you put it off from yourself. You judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Lo, we turn to the Gentiles. Paul planted. And they picked. The scriptures have the power to divide the honest from the dishonest, not you. Let me give you three principles this morning. I want you to write these down. You got them? Defer, don't debate. I want you to show, don't tell. And I want you to plant, don't pick. Those are three things that Christ did. There's four more I'm going to give you tonight. But these three things literally changed my evangelistic approach. And brethren, they they work. They come from the master. No one's going to improve on what Jesus did. I gotta tell you what happened. I was at polishing the pulpit and uh, a member from a church where I used to preach, he came up to me. I was there five years. And he came up to me and he said, Rob, he says, uh, he said, I need to talk to you about our new preacher. I said, I, I, I don't want to talk about the new preacher. 
And I've been gone about a year and a half. And he said, now, Rob, when you got there, man, we were evangelistic. We, we started at 110, 120, 140, 150, 160, 170. Rob, we, he said, Rob, I need some help. I said, well, what's going on? He said, Rob, you know how you used to teach us to do Bible studies? I said, yes. He said, our new preacher says that Bible studies don't work. Really? He said, yeah, the new generation, what are we in, X, Z, Y? They don't like Bible studies. I didn't know this. I said, he said, yes, they said they, they will cancel you. You cannot do Bible studies with these groups of people. They, they, they get offended. I said, okay. I said, how do you get to them? He says, Starbucks. Go to Starbucks. You have a coffee with them. And then you talk to them about very general things on the Bible. And then you invite them to church. They come. He preaches sermons. They walk forward. They're baptized. I said, I don't ever want to speak against an evangelism strategy. If you're, I said, brother, how many baptisms have we had since I've been gone? Rob, we haven't baptized anybody since you left. Brethren, may I submit to you this morning that what we need in the church of Christ is we need to train an army of soul winners to do Bible studies because the Bible says the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul, and the testimonies of the Lord are sure, making wise and simple. Brethren, we need to study the Bible. we got to get back to the book. We don't need to follow some new gadget, gimmick, or theology in order to, for the church of Christ to grow. we got to get back to what we used to be the best at. We have got to study the Bible. I'm going to close with this. And I asked him if I could tell a story, and he told me I could, so I'm going to. Because I think a lot of you in the audience will relate to this. He said, when I turned uh, the age of 19, I, I realized there was something missing in my life. And um, I, I decided to join the Navy. I see the world, so I joined the Navy. And uh, I knew there was something empty inside of me, so I decided I need to find a church. And I went to look for the church of the Bible. So I went to all these churches, going to these churches, listening what that preacher preached, looking at, in the Bible. And he said, finally, one day I decided to visit a church of Christ near the U.S. Naval Air Station in Maryland. At the same time, I was unaware that my brother, Terry, was actually pursuing to be a minister in the church of Christ. I didn't, I didn't know that, didn't know anything about the church of Christ. One Sunday morning, I took this taxi to the nearby Church of Christ in Lexington Park, Maryland. I was immediately surrounded as they uh, provided me attention. They, they uh, insisted on taking me out to eat, returning me to the base. I, they provided me transportation from that day forward. They were very kind people, very hospitable people. One of the fellow sailors uh, one day began realizing I was not a member of the Church of Christ. So he said he, he, said he discouraged me from taking communion. I didn't understand any of that, but I just kept coming. They kept taking me to the bay, taking me out to eat. One day, their, their preacher, Frank Starling, invited me to his house for a, a meal. And he got out this old film strip projector. I think it was called the Jewel Miller Film Strip Bible Series. And he said he plugged it into the wall. We began looking, and everything that was taught came from the Bible. He said we did all the lessons. He said it was obvious that I was in the church of the Bible. So I was baptized May 16, 1965. Brethren, do you know why this story is important to me? Because that man is Gary Whitaker. And he's my dad. And he sits in your pews this morning. 
And brethren, without that Bible study on May 16th, 1965, I wouldn't be here. In fact, I want to I want to carry it out just a little bit. Because of that one Bible study on May 16th, 1965, my dad decides he's going to marry a Christian. So he goes all over Ohio when he gets out of the war. And he, he's looking and he go, goes into the town, Vermilion, Ohio. And there, there's the preacher's daughter sitting in the pew. Her name was Kathy. And, uh, and uh, the preacher invited Gary uh, over to the house. And uh, she, he sat next to Kathy. And he said, what are your intentions with my daughter? They got married. And uh, they moved to Bentsville, Ohio. And there, because of that one Bible study on May 16, 1965, they have me. And uh, then they have my sister, Christina. And because of that Bible study, I'm going to get to grow up in a Christian home. And I'm going to learn the Word of God. And because of that one Bible study by Frank Starling, I'm going to obey the gospel. And because of that one Bible study, my sister is going to grow up in a Christian home. And she's going to learn the Word of God. And she's going to obey the gospel. And because of that one Bible study on May 16, 1965, I'm going to find a Christian. I couldn't find one in Texas, Mike. So I went to Tennessee. And, uh, and mama brought her home from Fred Hardman, and her name's Nicole. Because of that one Bible study, we're going to get married. And, uh, and my sister went to Tennessee and found Joey Barkley because of that one Bible study. We're going to have two children. I, my wife and I had Jared and Hannah. And because of that one Bible study, they grew up in a Christian home, and they're Christians today. Because of that one Bible study, my sister, she has two daughters, Michaela and Maddie. And they grew up, and they became a Christian because of one Bible study. Brethren, listen carefully. I'm not asking you to change the world. I'm not asking you to sing single-handedly change the trajectory of the church of Christ in America. Here's what I want. Would you just do one Bible study? Just one? Can you imagine what would happen to the West Side Church, the West West Side Church of Christ if y'all did one Bible study? If everybody in the pews just did one, and you you said, I'm going to do one study. I know I can't fix everything, but I can fix me. I can do one Bible study. Friends, I don't know if you're like me, but what I'm seeing right now in our nation petrifies me. I'm scared to death. I see our nation declining, and it's intruding from within. And brethren, it is frightening. I have a message. Please hear me. Brethren, we do not win spiritual Wars with political battles. The answer to what ails this nation is not in Washington, D.C. We don't need Donald Trump. We don't need Joe Biden. We don't need Republicans. And we don't need any more Democrats. You know what we need to cure this nation? We need the church of Christ to rise. Because righteousness righteousness is what makes a nation great. Sin is a reproach to any people. Brethren, we need the church of Christ to get busy. we got to get out of our slumber. we got to raise the evangelistic spirit of the pews. And churches of Christ have got to take the word of God to this nation again. Brethren, the hope and the answer to what ails this nation is in this church building. Brethren, you're needed now more than you have ever been needed before. And I pray, God, you'll be at every session this week. Because before we're done, not only will I give you seven principles to be a soul winner, I will give you a plan, a tool. And brethren, I'm not just here to give you a theory. I'm here to give you things that work. God bless you this morning. You're not a child of God. I don't know who you, I don't know where you're from this morning. You may not be a member of the Lord's church. So let me extend his invitation. This morning, you have an opportunity to come forward and you can say this. I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. You will say it. Brethren, someday, my friend, you will say it. You're either going to say it on this side of eternity 
or your knee will drop and your head will bow and you'll say, I believe that Jesus Christ is a son of God on the judgment and it will be too late. So this morning it's not. You can, after that confession and repentance of your sins, you can go into the watery grave of baptism and be buried with your Lord and be risen to walk a new life. You can do that today. And you know what's exciting about that? Because at that very moment, you become enlisted in the army of Christ. And your life will now have purpose. A lot of people out there have no purpose. A Christian never has to worry about that. We know what our mission is. If you'd like to become a member of the Lord's church or if you're a Christian, you need to come and confess your faults. Let's pray for you. Now's the time, brethren. Don't let the day pass. For there's a night coming when no man can work. We come as today as we stand and as we sing.